Welcome to Counseling Over Coffee, a podcast of Redeemer Counseling Group. Whether you are listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, we are happy to have you. And if you enjoy this podcast, it helps if you rate and review us, particularly on Apple Podcasts. And of course, any sharing of the podcast on social media is greatly appreciated. For more information about Redeemer Counseling Group, you can visit our website at RedeemerCounselingGroup.com or look us up on Facebook. And with that, here is Cherie with Counseling Over Coffee. Did you know that over 11 million children in our country have been diagnosed with a special need? This accounts for one in five households with children requiring medical or physical or emotional help, or all three, really, from qualified professionals. And before I continue, please know that these podcasts are not just for those of you who have special needs kids or no families who do. As those involved in churches who are a spiritual family, we're all called to wisely love and care for everyone in our church family, right? Including those heroes who have special needs kids. So please don't tune out yet if this topic doesn't quickly resonate with you personally. If you're a regular listener of Counseling Over Coffee, you may have heard my interview with our daughter Janelle, who has two precious boys on the autism spectrum. And today and next week, we're continuing the conversation with our dear friends, Tom and Debbie, who have a very special grandson I'm eager for you to hear about. It's interesting. There are a lot of services, think about this, two and four special needs kids, which are obviously wonderful and needed. And not just physical services, but also wonderful opportunities for kids to enjoy theme park visits or Special Olympics and other wonderful and meaningful outlets for them. But an often missing ingredient in local churches especially and in families, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, who are actively supportive of special needs kids. Missing also is pastors and small group leaders and friends willing to come alongside families dealing with the daily responsibilities of their special children. And that's where each of us come in. Having a caring and supportive community around these children is key to families growing and enduring and experiencing the joy and the often exhausting process of raising special needs children. And what about grandparents specifically? Research confirms what we all know. Actively involved grandparents have a significant role in the lives of children. In fact, in 2019, Oxford did a large-scale study where they found that children who have hands-on relationships with their grandparents have fewer emotional problems and are less likely to become involved in deviant behavior. That's incredible. Imagine then the weight of grandparents' roles in the lives of special needs family. So I did a little hunting around, and I learned there are several ways grandparents can specifically support their children and special needs grandchildren. Four ways. One, educate ourselves about our child's grandchild's condition. 
We can't leave all the communication to our child who will feel greatly supported if we have taken the initiative to learn about their diagnosis without feeding our kid a lot of internet-based fears and statistics. It's just that learning and educating ourselves about what our grandchild is dealing with. Number two, don't forget to keep being a parent. I love this. Our child, even though they're an adult, needs our compassion and care and parental love as much now as ever, and if not more. Number three, maintain frequent contact with our children and grandchildren. Even if we're far away from our special needs grandchild, technology provides great ways for us to keep in touch. And number four, love our grandchild just the way they are. Sometimes having a special needs grandchild means we're nervous even about holding them or caring for them or even talking to them in ways that we had hoped or in ways that are similar to our physical or neurologically typical grandchildren. And this can tempt our child to feel shamed or isolated as they watch us treat our other grandchildren differently than their special needs child. And I'm happy to tell you today that all four of these criteria for being a wonderful grandparent to special needs children and caring for a special needs child with children could, was, I mean, it was written about my friends, Tom and Debbie. So welcome to Counseling Over Coffee. Um, Now, we could take the rest of our time here just talking about our friendship, right? Yes. Over 20, 20, we're approaching 25 years. I feel old. Yeah. (laughs) We are old, Debbie. We We don't just feel old. We are old. (laughs) But we could spend so much time talking about why you're here and our friendship, our relationship. And as we were talking a a little bit ago, we had no idea. 22 years ago when we moved to Orlando, that we would be sitting today with two daughters, each having a daughter with a special needs child. And so the first question I have for you is I want you to tell us about Elias. Uh, Tell us about Heather's pregnancy and how his special needs became apparent. Well, thank you for having us, first of of all, Sheree. We're so excited to be able to share our story, our daughter's story, and Elias's story. Um, Heather um, moved to Arkansas after she got married, and so they were established there, enjoying life. We're here in Orlando, so it was a 17-hour drive to go see them. Wow. um, They moved, and so we hadn't been to their new house. We We went to visit them. She was pregnant. It was my first time getting to see her belly bump, and we were so excited, And that was in August of 2020, and her water broke a month later. Oh, wow. So we were just there. We don't know. She was 20 weeks when I was there. I was there for her sonogram to find out she was having a little boy. We were so excited. And And she had waited a long time for this little person. Yes. They'd been married three years. Is that right? Yes. No, two years. Two and a half years when she was when she ended up having him. Okay. Um, he was due in January of 2021, but her water broke at 22 weeks. Mm. Um, I had to take her to the doctor 
to the ER because they wanted to check her. They just wanted to put her on bed rest to get her as much time as possible. What we didn't know is the town that they lived in in Arkansas, they were renovating their NICU department and they didn't have a level four, which is what if he was born that early, they would he would be a micro preemie and he needed to have a level four. So they airlifted her within a couple hours that I dropped her off. Airlifted her to Tulsa. That's incredible. Which was two hours away. So her husband comes home. I'm there by myself. Tom's in California helping his dad move into our home in Florida. So we're separated. Um, come back to the house. Um, her husband, Matt, comes back to pack a bag and he drives to Tulsa. So I'm left there in their apartment with their cat. Like, what just happened? Exactly. What and a shock. so I got busy just cleaning their apartment, cleaning out the refrigerator. I knew she wasn't going <laughs> to be there for a while. And by the next morning, I couldn't do it. I couldn't be there by myself. So I, I flew home. I couldn't go to the, I couldn't go to Tulsa. Yeah, it was because of COVID. I couldn't go in. So I felt helpless mm. and didn't know what to do. So I went home, and um, they were able to keep her bed rest for two weeks. And that the goal was to get her beyond twenty four weeks because that's the age of what they call viability. I think God does miracles at any yes, stage, but the medical staff was more comfortable with him making it to 24 and he made it 24 weeks and five days. So here you are in Orlando, mm-hmm. your daughter's delivering a 24 weeker. Yes. In Tulsa. Yes. So of course a baby born that early, you know, they're going to be kind of assessing his health and etc. When did you start learning that there might be some challenges with his health or with his brain? Well, we knew right away um, when he was born that she had CMV her first trimester of pregnancy, which we don't know. She doesn't know how she got it. Mm. It was during COVID. Um, She got pregnant in March of COVID when it all started. So she was working, but she wore masks. And um, so at some point in that first trimester, she got CMV, which most people don't know about CMV. Right. It's a very unknown virus, and it can be um, a child. It's usually children that carry it, and they can just have what seems like a small cold, um, and you might not think anything of it being pregnant. And it's rare for um, the mom has to have not ever had CMV, first of all. Wow. And if she's in her first trimester, she can get it. If you've had it, you're not going to get it again, from what I've heard. I think that might not be right. Fact mm-hmm. check that. But um, she had never had it. So she got it, didn't know it. There's a 1% chance you'll give it to your unborn baby. 1%. Mm-hmm. And so then if he gets it, there's a 1% chance that it will cause microcephaly, which is small brain syndrome, which is what he got. Um so, and then on top of that, he also has cerebral palsy, which so to have, so we don't know what degree of that is from our looking at him. We think it's a mild level, but we won't know until he's three. So you've talked for years about how God gives us three answers. It's a yes and no or a wait. Well, we've had that wait answer for many years, not just this situation, but just wait. So we're waiting again and doing all the things um, needed, you know, to help him. But anyway, back to the beginning. Um, so she's, she has the baby. She has a C-section obviously, um, because it's so critical. And, um, so she's going to be dismissed from the hospital in two days. Mm. So we have to get out there 
because she doesn't live in Tulsa. She's got to be in Tulsa so she can be near the NICU because she's starting to pump and do all the things a newborn mom does. Right. Um, so we rent an Airbnb. We found an Airbnb that was right around the corner from the hospital, and we thankfully we had the means to do it. We rented this house, and we had it for six weeks because we knew she wouldn't be able to drive or do laundry or cook or do any of that with a C-section because I'd had two, so I knew. So we were out there through Thanksgiving, and um, then once, once she was cleared by the doctor to drive, then we could leave and go home to Tom's dad, who had just moved in with us, and we hadn't been with him at all. So, but it was hard leaving her. She she oh. made, she got a room in a um, a home like a Ronald McDonald, but it wasn't Ronald McDonald. It's another sponsored home for moms who have children in NICU or cancer patients, whatever. So a, a room came available, and they um, rent it to you very very cheap. It's based on what you can afford, like five ten dollars a day, whatever. That's wonderful. Um, but it was right before Christmas. So we had to leave her, you know, three weeks before Christmas. So we bought her a little Christmas tree and her husband had to go back to work. So here she is in this room. But we knew she was going to be spending all her days in the NICU and nobody could right. go with her. And nobody could. Right. So here you are leaving your daughter in Tulsa. Yes. Coming back to Orlando. Yes. And so I think one of the the things that is important with special needs families is is not just to focus on the joy what a privilege it is to have to be entrusted with a special needs child but it's also hard and as grandparents there's that layer right of watching your child hurting and suffering and then this is your grandson so tell us a little bit about what it was like for you in those early weeks and months as parents and as grandparents. Tom, why don't you weigh in on this with us? I think we really didn't know what to expect. Um, mm. We got out there knowing there was going to be a premature birth. Um, I'd never known of a baby being born at one pound, six ounces. He was just a little, about the size of a typical water bottle that you would wow. drink out of. And so we just figured until we had all the answers, we didn't know what to expect as, as far as what his life would be like, what it would be like caring for him. All we knew is that everything that was happening as far as the things that we were buying and the things that, that were, were needed to take care of him were really tiny. Um, the, the diaper that he wore was just this little thing about the size of one of the little candies that you would give out at Halloween in the little small sizes. That's incredible. Um, we, we were looking at the bottles that he fed out of, and we're just talking, you know, n not even ounces. Um, so just didn't know how to do anything other than kick in and just do what we had to do to, to survive each day. Um, helping to care for them, helping him, you know, uh, Matt work through trying to work and his job was really good for him to, you know, be able to free him up to work as much as he could from the home, but still had to, to do things. So it was a, it was a day by day learning experience and that's continued until today. We're still learning each day um, what it means to take care of Elias, how we can help Matt and Heather mm. in just practical ways. Um, 
So it's it's just a different scenario that we're we're learning as we go. Well, to bring us into that that experience of watching your daughter give birth to such a tiny little person, and what that must have been like for her, the the fears, the concerns, just watching Heather walk through that. What was that like for you? Heather is a very unique and special lady. Yes, she is. Um, a gift from God. Um, even in her early days when she was a child, she would ask us questions that would just puzzle us. We'd be driving down the road and she would say, Dad, why is the sky blue? Dad, why is glass clear? And I said, I don't, I never had that thought before. I don't know. <laughs> right. But keep asking good questions. Mm. Well, that's something Heather still does to this day. She asks good questions. So the entire day that she would be spent in Nick, NICU um, with Elias, she would be asking nurses questions, asking doctors questions. And even to their amazement, they said, we've never had anybody ask us these kind of questions before. You're going to do fine. Um, so that, that made us feel good. But Heather is just one who, who loves deeply, who cares, and has always been one to rally in people who were weak and people who needed help. And so God has uniquely gifted her to be the mom that she is today. That's amazing. And Debbie, what was it like for you? When did, tell us about the first time you met Elias. Oh, goodness. Well, he was in the NICU for 116 days. Mm. So he didn't come home till the beginning of February. He was born October 15th and came home uh, beginning of February. I don't remember the date. Um, so Heather walking in, we were ready. Um, she walked in, she immediately handed him to me. I wasn't sure if she would, you know, first time moms are, right. can be pretty protective, but she couldn't wait for me. He's number <laughs> nine. He's our ninth grandchild. So she'd watched us love on the other eight. So we were anticipating, it was hard mm. that for him to be alive all this time. And we hadn't seen him yet just through pictures. So when she handed him to me for the first time, it was unbelievable. And he was teeny tiny. He was so little. Um, when, I don't know how much he weighed when he came home. Maybe three pounds? I don't know. He was little. Um, but just so sweet. But he was all hooked up. He had oxygen. came home with oxygen. Came home on um, CMV medicine. He was on that for, I forget how many, how many weeks. But it's a regimen that they put him on. It's a chemo-type drug. So it's double glove. You have to hand wash after everything. You have to keep that bottle, the, everything separate because they would put it in his, in his feed. I see. And, um, so they would have to wash everything separate. So that was the only thing as the, as the Nana, I did not volunteer to do. It's like, I'll do all the other feeds. I'll do whatever I can, but on those feeds, I'm not, I'm not going there. That's for you. And they were fine with that. Um, because that was, I felt if I messed up, that was right. just, I just uh, didn't yeah. want that weight. That's concerning. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but we made it through all that. So that was in February, the beginning of February. And then Tom was, you were there. So you came in, I have a picture, you know, I, I love pictures. I'm called the Nanarazzi. So <laughs> I took a picture of when Tom first walked into the room and I was holding Elias and that's the first time that he saw him. And just the look on his face was mm. precious just like, God, what a miracle. And so we knew from day one, there was no reason that her water broke. Most CMV babies are born full term and then they're severely, severely, um, severe problems. Um, but because he was rescued, 
we believe he was rescued from the womb, God, God birthed him. So he was immediately put on the CMV meds, which has helped him. So they don't know. They don't know how, how much they saved him from. You can't reverse the damage already done, but because he was born early, he has a better chance than what most, but there's no protocols. There's nobody else to look to. Mm. And Heather doesn't really check that out. And I don't either what other people's stories are. Because it's either one or the other. It's either Elias is doing much better than somebody else, and then you're carrying their burden for what they're going through, or Elias isn't doing it as good as somebody else, and then you're discouraged. And so we're just kind of, she talks, she knows who to talk to. She does get support from people, but but we're more focused on, God, what are you doing in Elias? That's, what a great perspective. Yes, because you know, you, if you go on the internet and you Google stuff, anything, whatever sickness it is you're facing, it's a dangerous place yes, because it is. usually people don't post the good news. Usually they post the worst case scenarios mm. and Heather's learned that. So we all kind of avoid it. Now we have, she has a sister-in-law and a sister who will go on and read and then they sift through it and tell us what they found. So that's helpful. What an awesome way for the family to serve a special needs family. Yes. That's a great, I would never have thought about that. Yes. Let me go on and do some of this research and then yes. wisely decide what I'm going to share yes. with you. Yes. And, and, and here you're also talking about some of what the study that I, I read suggested earlier, earlier and how hands-on you were. Yes. That you were, you were holding him. You were, I remember seeing pictures of you mm-hmm. kissing his little cheeks and no, loving no, no, on him. No, she wouldn't let us kiss him. Oh, she, you we, couldn't ch- I kiss didn't him. kiss him until just a few months ago. Oh, I was thinking that was of COVID, longer ago. And she was, Aww. because of CMV, it's like, sorry, mom, just no, and I did sneak one a couple times just because it's my natural. Yes. And then I would apologize. Like, oh, no, I kissed him. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Because if, if I got him sick... That would have been horrible. So I, I didn't want to not kiss him, but I mm. was willing to not kiss him. Well, and, and Heather, that's a great example of what you were talking about, Tom. Heather was, she had done her, she had asked her questions and done her research, and here she was with her little tiny baby boy, protecting him and looking after him. Tom, how did how did the Lord meet you as a dad? And as a grandfather, is there is there anything that sticks out to you where God really met you during those early months? I think it's it's just trusting in His faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gone through life as everybody has, um, experiencing expected and unexpected things that happen to us daily and, and weekly and yearly, and we can look back and just see how God's hand has been so faithful in our life through many situations that we had no idea what the outcome would be, um, we can see his hand. We can see his faithfulness. Yes. And we can see his mercies that are new each day. He doesn't give us mercy for tomorrow, today. He gives us mercy Boy, that's a great for point. today. And so we trusted in that. We looked at that. And then we, we look ahead knowing that he's been faithful in the past. He'll be faithful in the future because mm. that's who he is. He's yes. faithful. And so it was just resting and trusting in in his sovereign hand, in his goodness, in his care, in his love, and just felt surrounded by that. Wow. That's, you know, as you're talking, it's good theology matters, doesn't it? Absolutely. 
when we and we have been in the in the same denomination of churches, you know, up until rather recently, and wow, we were so well taught mm-hmm. about our our faithful, sovereign, good God, and it it gets squeezed out of us at times like this, right? Yes, you don't realize what you're made of until it's tested, and then you 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 almost look at yourself like an out-of-body experience. It's like, how am I responding mm. this way to this? Because I know I shouldn't be. And then that just makes you glorify God all the more because you see his spirit rising mm. up within you and giving you the strength to do what you couldn't do. Well, own. and you are both deeply spiritual people, and I mean that in the, in the most affectionate way. Mm. Um, you love God's word. And you love God, and you've been faithful members of the same local church for how many years? 35? Yes. 37. 37 years. Time goes by fast. (laughs) And so, and served that church and cared for people in that church. And so then you've got this rich history of God's goodness and faithfulness um, in your lives that, that has come out in such a beautiful way in your relationship with Elias. So, so let's end this episode with bringing us, because people love to hear stories, right? Um, we don't have a lot of time left for this episode, but bring us up to date on that, that miracle, really, that God did of bringing Heather and Matt to Orlando. Tell us uh, a little bit about that story. I'll start, but I want you to share the one part. Um, um, We had to leave. Um, Again, Tom's dad was living at home at our house, Mm -hmm. and he's 90, so we needed to get home to him. So it was time to go, and it was going to be hard because I I didn't know. We would tried going away for a night. Our anniversary was while we were out there, and we went away for one night, and they didn't hardly know how they were going to make it, just not having – they needed other hands. Right. Exactly. So I was worried, like any mom would be, worried how in the world is this going to happen. So we're just praying and saying, God, only you can do this. Well, then we go home, which was hard, walking away. I've learned to say goodbye so many times, but I still don't like it. Mm. Um, I called, um, Tom got a phone call, a text from our son-in-law, and I'll let him tell that. The text said, I believe I heard God say he wants us back in Orlando. Oh, wow. And I said, well, I, I can witness to that. Yes. But there was a lot of logistics that were involved in that that we didn't know how that would work out. First of all, he had a job out there, not in Orlando. Um, they had doctors that they had established relationships with and had programs that they got set up with out there and didn't know how that would transition to Orlando. Insurance, Insurance needs and everything else. Well, long story short, um, it worked out. Matt's job did an incredible, um, I don't know how else to say it. They were just wonderful. And when he said, I'd like to get back to Orlando, there was a position available there. It opened up. He came incredible. here. Uh, in two days, he had to make a decision. And a week or two weeks later, he had to be here. So that all happened. The, the big issue then at that point for Heather was, wait a minute, I've got pediatricians here and I've got doctors here. Yeah, a whole I network. I don't know what I'm going to do in Orlando. So, But we can talk about that next time. Yeah. So this is an unfolding story, right? And so I don't want to end today, but 
our time is winding down, so there's a lot for us to cover next time. And so come back and let's talk more uh, and uh, on the podcast next week. And I hope all of you who are listening uh, will join us next week as we talk more with Tom and Debbie about being grandparents and parents to a special needs family. 